Welcome to listen to Leading Energy podcast. Uh, this is a episode where we discuss about the Enneagram profiles more in depth with Martin Salzvedel. And I will welcome him to our discussion. Martin is a consultant, trainer, executive coach, and he's also an author of a book called Authentic Leadership, which is in 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 Deutsch, uh, in German. And uh, he's senior consultant and also professional Enneagram uh, trainer. Uh, and we share the same network also where we where we met. Welcome, Martin. Thank you very much. My pleasure to be here. Hyvä päivä. Hyvä päivä. And also, I'm I'm Nina Carlson, and and with me hosting is is Heli Bachman. Hello, everybody. And we'll 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 start. Uh, one one thing I I forgot to mention also. One of the greatest thing you have, Martin, is the music, and you also have combined leadership by music. Uh, with with your past, uh, with a couple of words, um, tell something about your your story for the listeners. Well, I started as a musician, as you mentioned, was a cellist in the Radio Symphony Orchestra, and um, the question: Do I want to work with microphones or with people for the rest of my life? People one. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. why we are discussing this, even though I have a microphone in front of me, but it's not my professional way of recording music. So it's really fun. And it's a very beautiful analogy for the drives of the Enneagram because it's all based on resonance. And in negotiations, you always have the aspect of, you know, what's the atmosphere? What's the energy? What's the resonance and emotions are resonance. So when you understand music and you, you have learned it, you know, well, uh, it can be really, really a good analogy to understand the Enneagram and the support that it gives you in negotiations. That sounds so great and also can't help of uh, relating it to energy and, and resonance of energy. And you work a lot of with managers and leaders and and Enneagram. Would you tell us some some things about that? Well, uh, when I learned the Enneagram 31 years ago in 1990, I decided I was going to learn for myself for the next 12 years. And then I wanted to integrate into my professional life. And I did. You know, first, I learned it for myself for 12 years. And the my, my objective was to fill the number with mm -hmm. experience. Because we talk about ones and threes and fives and, and so on. And I did not want to learn it intellectually, but I wanted to have enough examples in my experience so that I could relate to all these numbers with people mm -hmm. very much alive and uh, that's what's also very helpful when you're in a negotiation setting you know because you 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 may not remember all the details what you are supposed to do 
But for example, you know, if there is an, an eight, you know, the kind of the leader, fighter, and they start behaving a certain way, you immediately know, okay, he doesn't mean you personally or she, but it is just that the drive. That's just what they have grown up with and what made them successful. So that's what they are doing. And you, you, you can manage your own reactivity in a completely different way. That is that's, so true. Mm, that's, uh, you're very, that, I could say that that's social awareness yes. at the table. Often when there is an eight, you know, counterparty, you go into reaction because the other party seems or is too assertive somehow. So knowing that, what you know, helps. You see, in my, in my seminars, when, when I introduce the Enneagram, I always um, make a drawing of a lighthouse. And then I ask them, what, what is the lighthouse for? And then they think about it. And, you know, it, number one, it warns you when there is a cliff ahead. You know, you're sailing in your boat through the ocean and there's an island coming up. I mean, in Finland, you have all these beautiful islands uh, along the coastline. You know, and you better watch out for the, for the lighthouses because otherwise you're just going to crash. <laughs> so, number one, it shows you where there's a cliff. And that's what the Enneagram can help you in the negotiation. You know, uh, it shows you where, are, where, where there might be a cliff where you could just be destroyed. Mm. That's number one. And number two is the lighthouse shows you the way into a safe harbor, you know, where you meet friends <laughs> mm -hmm. and you get go to a nice restaurant and have some good food and and so on yeah so um that's what the enneagram is for you know it shows you the way to a good peaceful enjoyable experience of life and of negotiation or and it warns you when there is a cliff yep you know so you you um the enneagram as a model, you know, I always say in, in science, it's a, it's, it's a very common saying, every model is false, you know, because a model is always a simplification of reality. But in order to manage complexity, you have to simplify. You know, but then the scientists always say there are some models that are useful and there are some models that are not useful. Now, the Enneagram is very useful. And it, that, it, has, it has been mm, it has been enlightening uh, to, for example, know the triggers because uh, when you go into a situation and you know what triggers you, you don't uh, jump into the cliff or uh, straight ahead to the ocean, but you can see the cliff. <laughs> you can you can choose. Uh, how how you gonna react exactly you know and as a, a systems thinking coach and trainer i always try to increase the options for my clients now as a coach it's always about 
increasing the freedom and the choice of the people I work with. And that's what the Enneagram can really support you with. Mm -hmm. Because these triggers, they are very much related to your drives. You know, the, the energy that drives you, you know, if you're a person that wants to be loved or you want to be successful or you want to anticipate everything that could go wrong, you know, those are the definitions of the two, the three, the six energy that drives people. And I think in all um, schools that teach the Enneagram, the motivation is the core. That's why I like to focus on it. When you know these drives, uh, the triggers are different and I don't know any other model that shows you so clearly and so quickly where the triggers are for yourself. That is so true and, and also uh, not only knowing your yourself but knowing the counterparties motivation would help you a lot because then you can really search for the win-win situation and kind of uh, give the light to their motivation also and, and show them how, how this would benefit them too. It is, um, even though we don't know any what, what uh, personalities or what motivates other people, it is amazing how different we look in, in situation. Uh, for example, today we had a, a three-party uh, negotiation. We were three people, one eight and two twos. And what happened? The twos were like, like in a big resonance and they were talking uh, around the topic, whereas the eight was looking like, when do we get to the point? Come on, come on. Yes, come on, <laughs> let's get to the point. And it's... It's really, uh, it really shows whether you want it or not. And, and you can really kind of uh, be in self-mastery in this situation too. But also it would be uh, good to know your strengths. What comes naturally? What are you good at? For example, in negotiation, in leadership, what are your, your strengths? Uh, how, how would you... Uh, what are the best practices to find out these kind of things if you don't know your type? Where could one start? Well, always ask yourself the question, why am I doing this? You know, the, the issue of uh, what you are doing is not of importance because any Enneagram profile or style could exhibit any behavior. You, know, you can just learn it and just people in business and in negotiation, they have learned different roles and they act within their role. So it's never the behavior. See, but it's always that you look beneath it. You know, for example, you know, a three buys a nice car, you know, I'm from Germany, so we have all these beautiful cars. <laughs> and the three comes with a big Mercedes or BMW with all the extras you know, to show everybody, look how successful I am. Mm -hmm. Now, the fours are known to always think that on the other side of the fence, the grass is greener than on their side, you know, so... 
in Enneagram terms, you would call it envy. The fours don't see it as envy, but you know, it, it's a certain way of comparing yourself all the time. Now, the four might buy this car as an antidote against envy. Mm. How can you tell from the outside? You can only tell if you're really honest with yourself. And sometimes I tell my clients, you have to be brutally honest. Only if you're really, really honest. Why, why did you do this? Um, you, will, you will gain the full benefits. And in negotiation, you see, one, one of the difficulties is uh, when you begin to learn the Enneagram, you may have difficulties uh, knowing the Enneagram drive of the other person. Mm. So I always suggest start with yourself. And there's a simple saying as well, nothing changes until you do. Mm. And nothing has to stay the same. Nothing. Which means you can change anything if you really want to. But start with yourself. And it's, uh, you know, because I've seen it in, in uh, business seminars lots of times. I've worked for a number of business schools all around the world. And uh, when the leaders get to know a new personality model, they want to learn the ultimate manipulation tool, how to get the people mm. <laughs> to, to do what they want them to do. So, and that's not what the anagram is all about. You start with yourself. And even I, I, I've seen, you know, people who just want to manip manipulate others more effectively, <laughs> they drop out of the Enneagram community quickly. Mm. There's some kind of integrity built into the system. If you have worked enough on yourself and you have gotten to know yourself, you're not interested anymore in manipulating other people. Mm. You know, you're interested in hey, let's negotiate, let's look at what is of importance to you and of low cost to me, and vice versa, which is called the integrative approach. You try to integrate ideas that you didn't know before the negotiation because you simply didn't talk about it, and you try to expand the pie by mm -hmm. looking at this. Now, this needs a lot of trust You to open share your interests because you don't know what the other person is going to do. Are they going to use it against you? <laughs> mm. Or do, you know, do they jump on the bandwagon with you? you? You never know. So Enneagram drives have a very different approach to trust. You know, there are some who trust everybody, you know, the nines, for example, you know, or the twos, you know, when, um, you know, they, they have such such a positive outlook on life. The sevens, you know, they have such a positive outlook on life. They they always think, oh, the others will do the same. When I do this, they will also do it. And it can be very naive. Mm -hmm. So you need ways to, to test it out. You know, there are other Enneagram drives. They, they don't trust easily. The six, for example, the four, the eight, they, they're not so quick at trusting the other person. They test them. So when a six or an eight or a four trusts, uh, tests the negotiation partner, you know, a seven, nine or two might feel insulted. How dare they? <laughs> what are they doing here? 
And in fact, they're just kicking the other person against their leg <laughs> to see what kind of stuff they are made of. So it's very much about knowing yourself. Yes. It's self-awareness and self-mastery. So knowing is not enough if, if you just behave in kind of automatically without realizing that you did it. Mm. And it's very much understanding that, that we are different and we have different motivations and drivers at the table. So understanding others, not for the manipulation purposes, yes. but actually to, to create trust and, and to create a landscape where one can co-create the win-win mm. result, C call it integrative negotiation. I love that. I like that more mm -hmm. than that term. So our listeners might, they all probably don't know their personality types in the Enneagram. So should we go very briefly, go, go through the, the, the types or the profiles when they negotiate, what they should focus on? And just briefly, what do you say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so where do we start with the one? Okay. We start with one. So yeah. the ones want to do the right thing. They want to yeah. understand the rules. They want to follow the rules. They're very flexible in changing the rules. <laughs> it's important to understand. But uh, they want to be good people. So they try to understand the rules. Now, in the negotiation, mm -hmm. they want to create a structure for the process. And... Uh, can be very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the twos want to be loved. They want to be liked. They, um, they're very helpful. They support others and they love it, but they want something in return. You know, it's not altruistic. So in a negotiation, when they trust other people, they also want that in return, that, you know, that they be trusted by the other person. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, in negotiation, yeah, that's sometimes the case. But uh, since I work in Germany with a lot of suppliers in the automotive industry, and there's no integrative approach anymore whatsoever. You know, it's just fighting and screwing the other people and and uh, stealing <laughs> intellectual property. I mean, that's the norm in the in the German automotive industry, and. Uh, as a two, you don't survive there for a long time because it's, it's, it's just no fun. Mm. You know, for the threes, the threes want to be successful, you know, they, achieving, they want to achieve. They like to uh, tick off boxes from their to-do list and, you know, just be fast, efficient, and effective. Now, in negotiation, um, very efficient, but, you know, to establish trust, they may be too fast. Uh, I have a question, uh, yeah. Martin. Have you seen how threes operate when their batna is poor? They just uh, fake it. Mm -hmm. They pretend. Yeah. 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 And uh, sometimes they win and sometimes they lose. But they don't like losing. So, Since they don't like losing, yeah. they'd much rather, you know, um, act as if they had a good partner. 
they interpret the facts to their advantage. Other people would say they lie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, other people may really afterwards say, you cannot trust this person. They are not honest. Mm. Now, and the relationship, in order to establish trust, trust is a matter of relationship. And in order to establish trust, you need time. And if they're always under pressure, wanting to get the results, uh, it's not a good idea. You know, and the trust may not be as broad as it could be. Mm. Okay, where did we, we, we stopped at the three, the fours. Mm -hmm. you know? The fours mm -hmm. want to be individualistic, creative, you know, want to be different than other people. I just don't want to be like anybody else. <laughs> so now every Enneagram drive wants that. See, but for them, it's a, it's a very important issue throughout their whole life. And uh, in a negotiation, so when it comes to being creative, finding integrative issues, um, can be really fun for them. They say they want to understand the other person. They want to explain why, well, what is important to them. And if the trust is there, can be really good. Now, if the other person wants to test the authenticity of the four, you know, they may get totally uh, in, injured or, or, or not injured is, is the wrong word. Uh, See, English is a difficult language. Would be easier mm -hmm. in German. <clears throat> um, but they do feel hurt. They feel mm -hmm. hurt. That was the yeah. word I was looking for. You know, they feel hurt. And uh, then it's much more difficult for them to manage themselves. Mm. Okay, so um, again, as I said, the self-mastery and, uh, you know, knowing your own triggers, knowing where's your lighthouse, you know, how does it look like? You know, do you get hot in your body? Do you get emotions? Do you start sweating? Do you feel like, oh, this other person is just ridiculous? You know, th th this is a clear trigger. And then take three deep breaths and wait. Ask a question until you have settle down again, very useful in negotiations. And if you can't, take a break, yeah. get up, go outside, 10 minutes, you know, and even if you had a, a, a physical break, you know, because you needed to go to the restroom, uh, 10 minutes ago, you say, I'll, I'll just have to go outside, I'll be back in five minutes. Mm -hmm. And you calm down. In fact, it's a funny story. You know, I did survivor training in Canada, and uh, they always told us you have to take three deep breaths if something happens. You know, if you fly with your airplane, I mean, it's a huge, big country, and you fly, let's say, in northern Ontario or in uh, uh, Yukon Territory, you know, there's a thousand kilometers, there's nothing, like in Finland, you know, <laughs> in the north of Finland. And... Uh, they always said if you if you have to go down with your plane, and you know your plane doesn't start anymore, and you have to wait for for somebody to find you, take three deep breaths. Because if you don't, you panic. And they found people, you know, um, half a mile away from the airplane, with which they stranded out in the wilderness somewhere, dead after two weeks. 
and others sitting next to the airplane four weeks after they had their, you know, they had to land emergency landing to an emergency landing. Why? Because the person that took three deep breaths actually kept a clear head and they understood if I start running now there's thousand kilometers north there's nothing thousand kilometers uh, south there's nothing I mean it does not make sense it's not uh, a good idea to start running and the people who started searching for somebody where there's nobody (laughs) normally people go if they are right-handed in the circle of about one kilometer around the place where they started if they're left-handed they take a left turn. So the only way you could find a straight line is have a left-handed person and a right-handed person grab each other's hand, then they might be able to go straight. I have a twin brother, you know, he's left-handed, so we might be successful, but still there's no sense in walking 1,000 kilometers. You will not you will not make it. This is very good. Yeah, and, and I think... Uh, in in any uh, situation, not maybe extreme like this, but any uh, problem or or challenging situation, ground yourself, put your feet on the ground if you're sitting, and and take a breath, and then uh, get get your mind uh, clear. Uh, where we actually, this is a bridge to the next uh, uh, personality type uh, style, uh, the fives. The fives. Who want to understand they want to understand they listen you know yeah. they, they, they want to understand as much as possible they prepare they like it and they think that uh, indecent behavior is not a good idea you know? mm. so so testing out the authenticity testing whether I can trust the other person is something that might be insulting to them and they don't like it mm. you know other than that uh, Exploring integrative issues can be an intellectual exercise or task for them that they really enjoy. Mm. Yeah. And, and on the other hand, they might seem a bit distant because they're thinking and trying to understand. And building rapport is, of course, important in negotiation setting. Yes. So that's a tip for, for, the, for the fives. In the fives, they they have an ability, which is incredible in crisis situations, to detach from their feelings. Mm. That's what you're describing, Heli. You know, they seem detached and, you know, to establish rapport and trust is not a good idea. So they need to know this in order to make an extra effort. Then they will be much better Mm. in the negotiation. Then we move on to the six, you know, the six and anticipates everything that could go wrong you know, in mm-hmm. order to have safety. The five wants to know everything that can be known so they feel safe. The six wants to anticipate everything that could go wrong. And they do it with a very positive intention. Most other Enneagram drives don't realize that. Mm-hmm. You know, they want the team to be successful. That's why they are warning, hey, this could go wrong or this could go wrong. You know, and they have a sensor, you know, they just know. They have an intuition. It's incredible. Usually, if they follow their first thought, it works out really well. They start doubting themselves, then it goes down the drains and they, <laughs> they're not easy to work with. 
in that uh, context. So um, if you want to assess risks in a negotiation, ask a six. If you're looking for a friend, ask a six. You know, find a six. They're so loyal. They're wonderful people. You know, mm. but it doesn't appear in the first place like this. Then we come to the sevens. You know, the sevens like options. They're really excited about it. And they they just try to avoid everything that could go wrong. They focus on just the things that are fun, fun to do, mm. and are enjoyable, and uh, that may be very useful in a, in a good atmosphere. When you know the, the people that you negotiate with, with, but if it becomes uh, difficult or people feel hurt, um, the, the sevens tend to not want to address those things. They, they are in there for the fun. You know, their drive mm. is wanting to have fun. Now, everybody, each one of us wants to have fun in life. If you don't have enough fun, you know, it's it's not worth living. So, but for them, it's an issue for the, for their whole life. And uh, running away from painful things, running away from loss um, is not a good idea because it's part of the soul's journey in this life. You know, that you also are confronted with some negative emotions, for example, in order to learn compassion. You know, you, you need to know sorrow. Otherwise, you cannot have compassion for other people. So that's yeah. the seven. And I've okay. seen some sevens um, when when they actually get triggered when there is a lot of positional bargaining and mm-hmm. and you know, negativity in the air. Some know this and they take a break also to to because they're brilliant in in creating value and thinking of yes. different solutions when they don't allow themselves to be triggered too long. But that requires, again, self-awareness and self-mastery. And honesty, which is yeah. part of the self-mastery, mm-hmm. you know, being yeah. honest to themselves. It's not easy to admit that you got caught. You know, the other, the other party got you. Mm-hmm. And True. it doesn't matter how uh, enlightened you are. I think this is going to go on until the end of our days. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just part of the learning here. All That's the time. why it's so useful. Yeah. Then we have eight. The eights maybe. Heli, he- mm. yeah. Uh, well, you, you want to say something about the eights? I'm talking <laughs> the whole time here. <laughs> yes, uh, I can say um, on a good day, the the eights are direct in a kind way, so they can take out the topics that need to be discussed and and drive the process firmly but gently. But when they overdo it, they might end up without meaning it, end up hurting other people at the table because they are too assertive, too direct. And they focus too much on claiming value and forget that there are different interests and different emotions involved. Yes. And you know, my experience with AIDS is um, they like authenticity. They want the other party to to be honest and direct. And what I always 
suggested in negotiation is if you think about the interest of the other side, this is where you can make the most money. <laughs> and that's not natural for an aid. You know, first place to think about the interests of the other side. Now, I've, I've prepared many, many negotiations, hundreds of millions of euros. You know, the, the other day was a company, the, the purchases were spending 1.4 billion euros a year. You know, that's a lot of money. And I told them, if you really want to have good outcome in your negotiation, there are two things that most people don't uh, deal with enough, which is what are the interests of the other side? And what's the button of the other side? What's their alternative? Mm -hmm. And if you really focus on those, and you, if you realize they have a weak button, to not use it against them, but make clear, reality is against you right now. <laughs> you know, our um, offers are more legitimate with reality and with the norms and standards that are there. It's very hard for an A to accept. You know, and, and there's the anagram again, you know, the, the eight, the integration goes to the two. So, you know, looking for the interests of the other side, looking for the feelings, the positive feelings of the other side can, can be such an expansion of the power of an eight in negotiation uh, that they probably would never think about if they didn't know the, the anagram model. Mm. All right. So we come to the nine. Nine. Nine are the peacemakers. You know, they, they just want to have peace with everybody. They consider all the options, all the opinions of everybody involved except their own. <laughs> you know, that's something they need to learn, that their uh, own agenda is important. And with see, you can do this in a mechanical way in, in, if you write it down in the, in the preparation of the negotiation, you can write it down. You know, what is your point of view and what, what do you really want to have? But if then at the, at the table, at the negotiation table, you don't have the energy to really put this on the table and not cringe <laughs> and really pursue it because you think it's, it's important for yourself. Uh, and all the uh, negotiation seminars won't help. You mm. need to work on yourself. I mean, it's a, it's it's very clear. And, you know, we, we could find aspects for every Enneagram drive um, where you really are much more efficient. You create more value at the table. See, because a lot of it you cannot prepare. The value is created at the table mm -hmm. because you need to communicate about it your interest, you need to communicate about the interests of the other side. I've seen situations where, where I told my customers, why, you know, when you do an um, innovation day, they call it, you know, automotive supplier, big, big company in Germany. And uh, uh, they always showed, this is what we can do, this is what we can do, this is, you know, <laughs> uh, bragging about all the innovation that they developed in the last 12 months. That was a typical innovation day. And I told them, listen, this is ridiculous. Nobody likes that. Why don't you focus on the interests of the other side? What is their interest? Why don't you go and, and just have 
conversations with people that you know well and that you trust and ask them what's going on in your company right now. We want to address those issues. And they did. They went there and they got incredible deals after that. You know, also, uh, I mean, unheard of in the automotive industry that, you know, a, a research and development project was being paid by the OEM, you know, by the original equipment manufacturer, which is uh, big companies like BMW, Mercedes, or, or uh, Volkswagen, VW. You know, and <laughs> they came back from that innovation day and called me up and said, hey, we got paid research and development project. We haven't had mm. that in years. And it was just because they made an effort thinking about the interests of the other side. So I always say, if you want to make money in a negotiation, think about two things. Number one, the interests of the other side. Number two, the um, alternatives of the other side. And you know, if you want to establish trust to be able to share your real, true, honest interests, you may not share everything, see, but maybe 80% or 90%, um, you do, you can do that if you are totally clear that the price at the end, you have to do some positional bargaining and some distributive issues, you know, you have to talk about money. But if you, uh, if you do that at the end and, uh, the price is determined by norms and standards, you know, like supply and demand, like, you know, uh, uh the quality and lots of objective norms and standards, then it's not an issue of being naive by sharing your interests. Because the price, you know, because people are only afraid to share their interests because um, they are afraid that the other person would use it against them when it comes to negotiating about the price. And if you are absolutely clear and you've made your homework to find a price based on norms and standards, then you can do it. Then you can openly share your interests because when the other side says, oh, you are really in need, you know, you're really in a hurry, you really need this fast, you know, because time is a, is a very important standard, uh, then we can lower the price. And then you say, what, what do you mean? What does this have to do with the price? I just shared my, my interest, you're using it against me. I think this is not a good idea. And in negotiations, when people actually use that line of thinking, the other side apologized, said, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and it's trust again, it's, it's, it's again knowing trust. yourself and, and, and also trusting yourself and, and being the best person of yourself, but trusting the other, hearing the other and, and have the genuine uh, want to really negotiate, not just to crush the other one down. Um, we have now spent a good half an hour with our listeners and a lot of things have uh, come come up. Uh, it would be lovely to just continue. Um, I would love to hear both of you and, and final lines for, for the listeners. And meanwhile, when you think about it, and, and think about this discussion, uh, I will uh, tell our listeners that you find more about us uh, in energycoaching.fi 
and Martin Salzweder has been our guest and you can also find him. Uh, one of the addresses you have is leadershipbymusic.com uh, where you can really find a different approach to leadership and and we will share the contact information. But back to you, what would be your final thoughts for uh, listeners about this discussion today? Well, I could go first. Um, what, what's on my mind is self-awareness. So it all boils down to self-awareness. Our customers often do ask for theory and, and tips and tricks and even tactics. But in the end, of course, you need to know the theories and such. But in the end, it's all about understanding how you operate at the table or how do you prepare, how do you plan and so forth. So our customers are really happy when they are able to see that, where their strengths and, and challenges are as negotiators. And then they build from there. Yes, and um, you mentioned tactics, you know. <laughs> tactics uh, are good for short-term gain, but there's always a danger of collateral damage on the relationship level. And you can be just as successful or even more successful by uh, not using tactics, just talking about interests, making a strong effort in establishing trust so you can expand the pie and you negotiate differently. And it all boils down to trust. Distrusting the other person does not minimize the risk. The risk stays the same, <laughs> you know, and uh, establishing trust is just so important. Thank you. Thank you so much for the wise words, uh, words and and also the whole conversation. It is a pleasure and a privilege to do cooperation with you. We are so happy about that. And thank you, our listeners, and stay tuned for more uh, interesting topics. Thanks.